What just happened? This is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the foggy forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I am still wearing a shirt and tie and surrounded by stuffed animals. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And from Hood River, Oregon, where I'm risking getting tech neck for the people out there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Tech neck. Long day at work, my friend. Ah, uh, you know, I'm staring at a computer screen, so. Yet again? Well, yet again, yes, after. 10 hours of staring at it today. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did uh, a lot of staring at my computer screen today as well. I just realized as I was setting up my makeshift podcasting room, this is what we refer to as the studio. That's what we call it. We get like, hey, I'm going to go to the studio. Oh, nice. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is the playroom. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there's a foldable table in the garage. <laughs> I'm basically like one step up from just like calling you on my cell phone. Yeah, well, that's uh, you, you definitely don't want to talk to me on my cell phone. That's that true. Way. Hey, did you get my text that I'm, I'm, I, we should do a podcast? <laughs> I did today. Yeah. I did. I took a chance and didn't send a second text thinking yeah. I could just do, end up doing the show by myself. So I might have to upgrade to 4G at some point. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. Well, do you see, speaking of which, we talked about 5G previously. It looks like it's coming to a few city centers around the, the U.S. Weird city centers, too, like Cleveland and Dallas or something. It was very strange. Not not the tech centers that you would think. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're not putting up any uh, permitting resistance there. Hmm, that might be, that's, that's actually probably a good way to look at it. So, interesting week uh, in the in the news. I mean, I am a man wearing a shirt and tie surrounded by stuffed animals and, uh, you know, kids' toys. I, I'm ready to talk about the news and the markets and, t- and just, you know, spew my, my, my wealth of knowledge out so that people can hear it. Good. Spew it out. <laughs> spew it out. I don't have any wealth and knowledge for folks. It's all a sham. It's just a, uh, just a, you know, everybody's got a podcast these days, so I figured I would start one. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody's got a podcast. Everybody. So anyway, um, the week ended last week. For those who don't know about the news or the stock market or anything, but uh, interesting, what was it, Friday? When the, the president just tweets out, 25% tariffs, that's what we're doing. And they're like the whole market just. <laughs> I think it was Thursday actually, because Monday morning, Chrysler dropped by like nineteen percent. I was just okay. So which is that was uh, which is insane. It's insane. It is totally insane. The amount of steel that's in these these cars anymore. And 
I believe the steel tariff is ten percent, right? Right, right. And aluminum. No, I think I think steel was twenty five, and and aluminum was was. 40. Oh, maybe so, I had them backwards. Yeah, okay. maybe. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty worried about it on the you know upwards of eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollar Range Rovers I sell. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> A nineteen percent drop in the stock price for yeah, you know, a a material that let's say, you know, all twenty five percent. So steel costs twenty five percent more. Well, it costs that much more for everybody, and it's a a tiny fraction of your actual total vehicle construction cost. It's really really small, ladies and gentlemen. It's super duper small. And uh, it was funny some of the. You know, I'm, I'm running in these circles now. We're talking, you know, at least on mess forums and message boards with uh, with investors and people who invest in this stuff. They're all like selling Monday morning. I can't go down any further. I'm, I'm bailing out now. Trump's an idiot. And of course, by <laughs> of course, by noon, markets are up. So it's yeah. just it's an upside down world. But before we get off that, I wanted to talk about something. I actually found a story that was quite relevant, and I think something we don't ever see in the news and we rarely see on even on our own podcast uh is looking at this historical significance of changes like raising the tariffs on things and what does that actually have what <laughs> actually happens when that when that happens and what it's been done no tim that's never been done no trump has ne- never had tariffs until that insane lunatic trump took so, office so true so true bro <laughs> Um, tariffs raised 30% by government revenue in 1912. Mr. Hoffman, will you do us the honor and read this story? Or I I guess I could read it, but. So, okay. So tariffs raised 30% of government, government revenue in 1912. And now they raise 1%. You know what we didn't have in 1912? Oh, I do know what we didn't have. That's the point of this story. (laughs) Yeah. Tell every, uh, tell tell the listeners. Oh, we did not have the Federal Reserve, and we did not have the federal income tax. Oh my gosh, I, the government wouldn't run without income tax. Yeah. How did they even have roads? <laughs> How did we have, you know, a trillion dollar deficit? How was that even possible? You got to have that to run a government. U.S. federal government revenue collection in 1912: total revenue 992 million. Tariffs accounted for three hundred and eleven million. <laughs> Postage yeah. stamps and fees two forty five. Liquor taxes two thirty. Tobacco tax seventy seven. Corporate income tax. By the way, the only tax that's actually mentioned in the Constitution thirty five million. Panama Canal receipts thirty three million. All other uh, a combined ninety six million. You scroll down. Total revenue in twenty twelve two thousand four hundred and seventy billion of which the income tax not listed in 1912 mm-hmm. 1160 billion so almost half of the total revenue of the country is taxing its own citizens uh 840 on the, on their income on their income so well, there's other uh, there's other taxes yeah take tobacco, it away to Tobacco excise tax raised sixteen billion dollars. Um, so, what's the point of a tax on tobacco? I don't know, Andrew. What's the point of it? 
I thought it was to to discourage people from smoking. Oh, that's exactly what it was supposed to be, right? That's why cigarettes are expensive. And by the way, you know, I, I don't know. I I used to smoke long ago when I was in the Navy, and I, you know, I don't usually look at those things. But was at a gas station recently and looked over and saw, you know, double digits for the price of a uh, pack of cigarettes right now. It's kind of crazy. We're talking ten. It, it is. 10, it is crazy. So. So if a tax on tobacco discourages smoking, what does a tax on income do? <laughs> <laughs> Airplane ticket tax, ten billion, liquor excise tax, nine billion, tariffs, thirty million. So this yes. this whole ta- this whole th- Oh yes, it keeps on going down, so you get <laughs> miscellaneous home goods. What are what What's the home goods? Oh, there's the tariffs. Okay. It's broken out. The $30 billion in tariffs is right. split out. Clothes, cars, shoes, luggage, and leather. Okay. All right. So should we... We don't have to read the story. Okay. Uh, actually, go ahead. Read, read. It's very short, actually. Okay. As Americans fill out Form 1040s and puzzle their way through tax prep software, some background on how it got this way. A century ago, in 1912, American government ran on a weird mix of postage stamp sales, Panama Canal receipts, excise taxes on liquor and beer, business taxes. Uh, this story is from 2013. All right. I was like, what, 100 years? It's more than 100 years, but there we go. Uh, tariffs, then averaging about 20%, provided about a third of the revenue. The largest chunk of tariff money, or $90 million, or about 10% of revenue came from taxation of imported clothes, shoes, and similar home goods. Uh, which, by the way, the, you know, rich people tended to buy the imported clothes there. It was a, a status symbol. And the imported vehicles. Yeah. Liberals disliked the tariff system as non-transparent and because high tariffs on clothes meant taxation of lower-income people as regressive. Then President Woodrow Wilson, elected in November, also criticized it as anti-competitive. In an historic but often forgotten address given a century ago last Monday, Wilson argued that the tariff system was a set of privileges and exemptions from competition, which is is easy by any uh, even the crudest forms of combination to organize monopoly. Man, he's... Not very clear speech writing there. Okay. His campaign led to a new tariff and tax law known as the Underwood Tariff, where its author, Ways and Means Committee Chairman Oscar Underwood, which cut tariffs to about 6% and created the modern income tax to replace the money. Within five years, tariff revenue had fallen to about 5% and never recovered. A hundred years after Wilson's address, his tax bill remains the foundation of the American tax system, augmented a bit by real estate uh, by state taxes and a lot by payroll taxes. And then we go, go through the current numbers. All right. So, yes, Woodrow Wilson. Thanks, Woodrow Wilson. They don't even mention the Federal Reserve, which was rather critical as well. True. Because then uh, you go, it allows the government to spend money they don't have without even having to print it. Well, and this, I think that, you know, my, 
the point is of bringing this back from this article from 2013 is just to say, you know, tariffs supplementing the income of the of the government not bad, <laughs> since it well, heavily relies on taxing the income. What was the what was the national debt in uh, 1912? Who knows. <laughs> so 1912, the uh, yeah the Civil War wasn't good for the national debt there. Probably not. No. Uh, but looks like almost three billion dollars total. So, wow. Okay. So three billion is like a rounding error now at this point. Sure. Now that we're at twenty trillion, so seems like kind of a bad idea. What do you think? I agree. Now all the money comes from you. You know what's an even worse idea than the na national debt? What's that? A national income tax? No, paying back the national debt. Okay, there we go. So it's all all going back to the the same banks and the Federal Reserve that got us into this mess. Sure. You put a video in here the other day. Uh, fake videos are on the rise. We should at least uh, touch on that one, and then we'll head right into, I think, social media. Fake videos are on the rise as they become more realistic. Seeing shouldn't always be believing. Uh, I think you you might have put that. No, I, th I, did, I did put that in there. Um, All it takes is a single selfie. From that, yeah. from that static image, an algorithm can quickly create a moving, lifelike avatar. Video not recorded, but not fabricated from whole cloth, but, but, but fabricated fabric. from whole cloth uh, by software. With more time, pin screen, the Los Angeles startup behind the technology believes its renderings will become so accurate they will defy reality. You won't be able to tell, said How Lee a leading researcher on computer-generated video at USC who founded Pin Screen in 2015. With a further deep learning advancements, especially on mobile devices, we'll be able to produce completely photoreal avatars in real time. The technology is a triumph of computer science that highlights the gains researchers have made in deep neural networks, complex algorithms that loosely mimic the thinking of the human brain. So... Pretty soon, Great. yeah. Pretty soon, we can. Uh, what used to take a sophisticated Hollywood production company weeks can soon be accomplished in seconds by anyone with a smartphone. Not available for video chat. Use your lifelike avatar as a stand-in. Want to insert yourself into a virtual reality game? Upload your picture and have the game render your character. These are the benign applications. Now imagine a phony video of North Korean dictator Kim Jong Un announcing a missile strike. The White House would have more would have mere minutes to determine whether the clip was genuine, and whether it warranted a retaliatory retaliatory strike, uh, in or whether it was created by from McCain Studios. <laughs> oh yes, 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 from the same company that brought you ISIS. Here's Kim Jong Un <laughs> launching his nuclear missiles. So he's an insane lunatic, folks. He is. You talking about McCain? Well. <laughs> He really is. True, true. All right, so let's move on from that. And I kind of okay. Right, right now, you could trade John McCain for Kim Jong Un in the U U.S. Senate. Would you do it? 
maybe. I might. Do I w- I would not if if John McCain was given the reins of North Korea, I would not do that. Oh, you can switch him. Yeah, you switch him. So you have to give trade him out. Trade him like, out. No, like you take our that. lunatic, we'll take yours. No, 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 no. not in that position. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. He could do too much damage there. So. There is a bit of a war on social networks lately, and it's become kind of an interesting. Uh, so it's so interesting. Point. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this is this is like Tucker Carlson's thing. Like he's got a pretty much every night's show has a segment bashing tech companies. Basically saying that you know they need to be broken up. They need to be right. So he's he's on the broken up. They're too powerful th- tip. Well, just that they're running our lives and they have way too much power. That's... So Mr. James Corbett recently put out a show. Have you listened to that or heard that? The it's about a fifteen minute show, but it's the weaponization of social media. Oh, I don't think I have yet. You need to check it out. Yeah. Uh, that'll that link, of course, will be in the show notes. If you don't know who James Corbett is. Uh, CorbettReport.com And you don't know who we are either <laughs> And you're not listening to this podcast right now CorbettReport.com is where you will find that But uh, he really kind of dissects exactly what we're up against And you know, a very short time ago, 15 years ago or so Social media did not exist in the way it does now And mm-hmm. now it's just pervasive It's everywhere And you know, you got the guy who there came out recently, and maybe I should play a clip from that on on uh, our show. But he, you know, he said, you know, you got guys like Mark and you know the other guy at Twitter and me. You know, we're we're basically is that was that the Napster guy that said that? But uh, well, I think that's where he made all his money. But then uh, there there's been you know former Facebook guy, former right. Who, said, who basically said that, you know, we know that you want to stay on the screen as... We want you to stay on the screen as long as possible. So we keep hitting you with a dopamine, you know, shot by giving you a like or somebody commenting. And the longer and the more effective we can do that, the more the longer you'll stay on the screen. And it's just, you know... Like and the said, more advertising you will be exposed to. Exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it's been, you know, a lot of the, the founders... Another point that was brought up in that same, you know, clip... A lot of the founders don't even talk, don't even let their kids use social media. People who started right. up the social media don't let kids use social media. And I've talked about that before. I had a higher up at Xbox who refused to let his child have more than one hour per day of any sort of screen time uh, because he saw how much it changes your, uh, your, you know, the way you think and, and what's going on and, and uh, just your, your uh, outlook on the world. Uh, so Facebook, I got an article in here from the guardian. Usually don't get stuff from the guardian, but thought this was interesting. Facebook asks users, should we allow men to ask children for sexual images? Facebook has admitted it was a mistake to ask users whether pedophiles requesting sexual pictures from children should be allowed on a website. On Sunday, (laughs) this social media ran a survey for some users asking if they thought the company, how the company should handle grooming behavior. There are a wide range of topics and behaviors that appear on Facebook, the question began. In thinking about an ideal world where you could set Facebook policies, how would you handle the following? A private message in which an adult asks a 14-year-old girl for sexual pictures. The options available to the respondent 
where it ranged from this content should not be allowed on Facebook and no one should be able to see it to this content should be allowed on Facebook and I wouldn't mind seeing it. A second question asked who should decide the rules around whether or not the adult man should be allowed to ask for such pictures on Facebook. Options available included Facebook users decide the rules by voting and telling Facebook and Facebook decides the rules on its own. In neither survey question did Facebook allow users to indicate that law enforcement or child protection should be involved in the situation. The strictest option <laughs> allowed uh, involved turning to the social network uh, involved turning to the social network as the arbiter. Yvette Cooper, MP, which, which, which by the way makes no sense. Like, okay, it's a private message. How is that doesn't even make any sense. How would the network respond to it? Like, hey, this random person sent this message to this other random person. How I mean, do you feel about that? Right. So you're talking about Facebook? How they, would they respond? I mean, I think that they we're assuming that Facebook would be able to see the messages. Well, yeah, of course, Facebook can, but that's not what they're... They're asking what... If yeah. it, they said, in an ideal world where users can set the... Uh, come on, use this logic. They don't have to use okay. real logic. It's just, hey, okay. we're, what, do you want to see this? What, how do you feel about it? What are your thoughts? Mm. Obviously, turning off Facebook is not an option. So do you want to <laughs> see 14-year-old girl give her pictures to this adult? Or, you know, how do you want to do this? What what's Because you're here. We're, you're staying here. It's going to keep happening. Um, uh, you know, I think that's I think that's it for that one. So Yeah, the... Uh... Uh, shouldn't the algorithm be able to, to handle that? Yeah, yeah, the algorithm should should have been able to handle that. Um, you know, that was an attempted transition on my part. Well, so. I didn't want to transition out of it just yet, and here's why. Okay. Um, I just wanted to talk about social networks, and I, I read an article earlier today. You know, I think I would have put it in the folder since I read it and wanted to talk about it today. <laughs> uh, but I don't see it, which is unfortunate. Um, but it basically talked about this is the beginning of the end of social networks because they're actually talking about limiting viewpoints on social networks. Mm -hmm. It's a walled, it be, then it becomes a walled garden with rules, what can and can't be said. And it, that's, it's the beginning of the end. You have to let something like this run its course. You have to let the diversity into the platform, the diversity of you know ideas, feelings. Sure, you and I have talked about for years that this is an edited thing, that they don't show all your friends, that they don't right. show you know uh, posts that are unpopular, that they'll flag you. Twitter asked me if I you know why I'm following a Russian you know bot. Um, you know these sorts of things are starting to happen, but what's the overarching theme of what's re of what's really being said now with this whole the you know genius troll farms in Russia apparently paid you know advertisements <laughs> on Facebook and swayed the election. That rhetoric is leading to we have to crack down, we have to stop this, and what it's I mean that's that's kind of the beginning of the end because once they start to say okay you know this this ultra conservative viewpoint can't be heard not i'm not just talking about conspiracy theories or anything like that but at this point we have a country divided right mm -hmm. about half are okay with trump and about half aren't 
And the ones that aren't are losing their minds, right? And they're like, take it away. Make sure that we can't post. If he likes Trump, he's a white supremacist. You know, that sort of thinking. Those are the take people. Take away all our guns. Yes. Those are the people. Federal that are government be, headed by Trump. Those yes. are the people that are going to be flagging the videos. Also, I would argue those people are in a higher uh, percentage on Facebook. Um, but those are the ones that are going to be flagging videos that say, this well, is it's, hateful. I don't it, want to see it. And the more that that happens, the more that they shut that out, the more compartmentalized it all becomes and mm-hmm. the less like an open, you know, supposedly social network it will be. It will be more lockstep in line. We're just going to reaffirm what you already think, which people won't, I don't think, notice. Uh, the article didn't get into this, but I think this is a kind of a deeper way to look at. It. I don't think people are going to notice as it starts to happen as Facebook gets more, you know, whatever. I mean, you can't show pro-Trump stuff and how you know the the, the white you know uh, the white nationalists aren't actually Trump supporters or that they're less than one half of one percent of the supporters because that's hate speech. But Let's send out a survey to users whether or not we should have a 14-year-old girl <laughs> showing nude pictures to her, her mm, adults. Those are things. So this question. one we can't do. This one we can't. It's a, it's a flawed system. It always has been. But now they're really going to uh, put their fingerprints on it and change the experience a little bit. And I think, personally, I think you won't. They, people won't notice it at first, but they'll just stop using it. The diver- like any yes. kind of diversity of opinion is going to disappear. Well, we're kind of losing the ability to uh, to have you know a civilized discussion about things. <laughs> I had a I had a oh yeah absolutely a, I had a guy tell me that it, you know he doesn't really hear from his daughter much. His daughter's about my age, and I work with his son-in-law, um, and. Because she's like, you know, hardcore anti-Trumper, and he suggested maybe she shouldn't spend all of her time uh, posting about that on Facebook, that there were probably more productive things to to do, and then it doesn't hear from her much anymore. I mean, you know, it's, this is a, it, it's a, it's a mental health crisis, it's an emotional health crisis. It's a, and I think it's kind of been a perfect storm of uh, the media, the mass media uh, freaking out because they're losing market share. Some of the only stuff that they, that is popular that they're getting ratings on is the Trump hate. So they're, you know, they're all in on the Trump hate. Um, but Trump, this is how he got to be president by making everything about him you know i'm gonna suck the oxygen out of the race is what he said in other words you know the guy understands it doesn't matter if they are talking bad about you or talking good about you if they're talking about you you're winning and that's those kind of two forces um i mean people are so much more into uh, politics over the stupidest little issues now than they were 15 or 20 years ago. You know, I mean, there were, let's say George W. Bush, there were people that were passionate, you know, anti-Bush, anti-Iraq war, 9-11 truth, like 
but you it, know, it's it's funny. It's a result but, of, but the, not not like one tweet. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a result of the social network, right? Yeah. It's like I said, it's driven by the social networks because that's all people see, and it's becoming more and more that way. So that the anti-Trumpers will only see anti-Trump stuff. So they live in their own echo chamber. They're stuck to their phone. They keep getting the notifications. They're not actually talking with other human beings in real life. They're reaffirming their positions via the computer screen and the people around them that agree or not even around them people on the screen that agree with them from god knows what i mean i'm friend it's hilarious how, you know people I'm, I'm friends with you know a guy that i worked at walmart with when i was 16 years old and i never really ever saw again like i know that yeah. <laughs> what that guy's up to now it's weird um so then you're only going to see what people around you or you're only going to see what you want to see mm -hmm. and the human mind is going to notice that and there it's I, I think people are going to drift away from these platforms um you know twitter has its issues actually we've talked about twitter twitter is also going super high uh regulation i i got multiple people on my feed who i subscribe to who clearly are you know alternative type of thinkers i, I subscribe to several different reporters in the middle east just mm -hmm. because I, I feel like that's a good resource for the show to try and understand what's happening over there. Um, those, you know, those come up, Hey, this content's been blocked, go in your settings to change that. You know, this, this found this deemed to be, you know, questionable or, or something like mm -hmm. this. Uh, Facebook is going to start changing what you're seeing. It's only going to, it's going to get rid of the Russian bots, quote unquote. Um, we've, we've talked about that one before. And then YouTube is another one where YouTube, I you know I you know I I, I well, love YouTube. Remember YouTube started as conspiracy theory videos. I mean that's really what it was. There was a five star system in two thousand six, and there was just documentaries and like that's where I found out about nine eleven truth. I've heard you know James Corbett's story that's not um, similar to you know mm -hmm. finding out about it through GooTube or YouTube, and then now it's like right because Google Video was huge too. There are whole movies whole on there. Movies, a lot of documentaries, amazing documentaries. Yeah. Now it's gone to, and I'm not even saying this is bad. This is actually one of the cool things that's happened over the internet. But a lot of, you know, my wife watches, you know, these women who have millions of subscribers who just talk about, like, here's what I made for my family this week for food. And a lot of ideas are being spread that way, which is really cool. But then mm -hmm. you start to look at the political stuff, and political people are just getting shut down. Like, hey, yeah. you, you violated. And we saw this. Remember, how many times did Chris mm -hmm. White's account get taken down? He had right. to keep changing it because he debunked ancient aliens, and he had to did this one, this one, and the copyright infringements would come. What was the guy the the guy we never hear from anymore who put a mark against him and his account got shut down? Jordan Maxwell. He debunked mm. Jordan Maxwell who put out a thing. See, we remember that, right? Now all these people for they they weren't a part of that, right? We were they weren't a part of the movement when conspiracy theorists, quote unquote, nine eleven truthers, really, and Chris White and others were getting shut down on YouTube early on. They've just just now got on board and started to realize how great YouTube is for this or that, and then more people are coming to the truth or at nine eleven truth or whatever. And as time has progressed, now all of a sudden YouTube's shutting down accounts. Or demonetizing them, which is hilarious. It's like I'm right. sorry you were making thirty to forty thousand dollars a month by making these YouTube videos that are viewed by millions about you know that are anti-government or whatever, and now you know you're freaking out because you don't have a source of income anymore. But that's what you signed up for. 
Like literally, yeah, go, you're on. Go their make pro- some. You get paid. Go make some makeup tips videos. You get paid exactly, <laughs> and you'll get paid. You will. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's well, so YouTube's going that direction. Facebook because because uh, the other big trend, which has been it's this has been around for a long, long, long time, but it's become when when was the Iranian Revolution? The one where uh, it was during the elections where the girl got shot. When was that? Like 2012, 2011? I should look up that. But do you remember when Hillary Clinton was talking about getting her techno experts in the Iranian yeah, election? Techno experts. In the election of yeah. Russia, when Russia, when Putin was coming back. Do you know what techno experts are, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> They're people who get on social media and, 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 and create a narrative and get other people to follow them. Sock puppet accounts, which mm-hmm. the government has already admitted. That's another thing. Listen to James Corbett's you know, podcast. The government has already admitted to making sock puppet accounts. It's admitted to, oh, yeah. hey, what do you... But to your and it's said in the it's said by James in the in the same podcast to those who aren't informed it's still a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, yeah. But the um, the other huge factor is uh, advertisers and the threat of the advertiser right. boycott. Good point. So you're advertising to get people to well, buy your product. So, now you've got people that you. I mean, you don't. I'm still you don't not usually hear from anybody. anyone. Then all of a sudden you get. You get a hundred, two hundred emails from someone. You know, you're maybe too dumb to realize that this is a coordinated thing by media matters or whoever saying, you know, take your advertising off of, of you know, yeah. conspiracy theory videos, or right. we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna boycott your product, and you freak out. And oh, sure enough, yeah, we're being advertised on this horrible stuff. Why am I paying huge money to advertise on? on these videos so that's what youtube is reacting to google yeah. Yeah. is reacting to is because they don't trying... care they don't care right if they, you, if they, you go they look, were fine taking the money they were absolutely fine yeah. taking the money there are some dark dark videos on youtube i think i may have discussed it on the show at least briefly but i kind of ran into them that are basically just like pedophilia grooming videos uh, that have millions of views, you know, cartoon-like characters doing mm-hmm. questionable things, stuff like that. YouTube doesn't care. They don't care. They're just putting ads on on things and making money selling. But it's it's the Media Matters or the George Soros-funded operations who are emailing and saying, "How could you support this? This guy's a white nationalist. He loves Trump. He's got this. He's got guns. This, this is unsuitable for." And it's the same people who are crying about being anti-Trump on Facebook. You know, so, so you're going to end up with the same forces that uh, <laughs> when textbook manufacturers are coming out with the textbook, they have to get it through two groups. They have to get it through parent slash teacher groups in California and through Texas. Okay. And what you get out the other side is the most boring unimaginative uncontroversial garbage that you can imagine so uh, you know everything will trend towards that and the result will be no one will care and no one will watch took the words right out of my mouth that's that's a great concise way to say it this is this is the beginning of the end of the social networks at least these ones i'm sure something else will pop up in its place and heck that's always been the threat right MySpace mm-hmm. went the way of the the uh, dodo bird because yeah, the, something better they, came out. Well, but they also were sold 
uh who who bought uh myspace who bought myspace gosh it was was it it was was it yahoo or tumblr or something no it was a music something or other i don't remember you need to look it up now yeah well hey the techno experts that they talked about oh it was (laughs) the government bots they said they they were training people how to edit wikipedia so hopefully the hopefully i think it was fox fox bought it interesting (laughs) new by uh this says news corporation yeah news corp oh good old news corp (laughs) and they they wrecked it shocker which is was not there was where's money being made here's my question one google makes money right i think we can agree on that whether it's youtube whether it's search ads there's actually being money being made there i swear there's no way to make money at twitter i don't know how they keep saying Mm -hmm. that they're making money the ads on there are so pointless and useless i I don't know uh facebook i think it's i'm about 50 50 on that occasionally i think you know they could produce you know a little bit of uh, money and other times i'm thinking no they're not making any money right now so you can so those those who are most influenced by the advertisers are going to be affected most. YouTube is still so diverse that I think its end is far off. Uh, Facebook, yeah, but the hopefully the soon costs but I don't, for YouTube are so high too. Yeah, that's true. Well, now they got uh, YouTube why. TV. I mean, these these companies are just it's they're everywhere, right? I mean, they're just becoming a part of everything. So without getting too distracted and, and too off a of base here, I think we came to a concise point. It's gonna be watered down and your brain isn't gonna notice it at first, but I think people are just gonna slowly drift away from it. That that, that once it, it, we all knew they were doing it before, but once it <laughs> becomes a point of emphasis that they're going to do this, they're not going to be able to figure out that I don't care about the guy that I met when I was 16 at, at a Walmart as much as I do, you know, uh, my sister, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, because they they still show me more of that guy than they do my own sister. So that I don't think the algorithms or anybody's going to actually figure that out unless I go in there and choose, hey, this is my sister, and then it'll actually pop up, which I refuse to do. Um, so, like I said, it, it, my point's been made. Uh, we'll see. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know how long. I, I've actually reactivated my Facebook. Main reason was for uh, networking purposes of selling cars and just getting some word of mouth out there because that's where people are. Haven't yeah. used it for that at all. Haven't I, even tried. So I, I had don't a know if it's car, any... car salesman from Phoenix, Arizona contact me via Facebook and ask if you need to buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> no. See, I'm not going to do that. I'm just. I just want to like take you know like you know, thank people that purchase for me or whatever. And then if their friends hear about it, something like that, but yeah. it, that it may work for, but you know, I reactivated my account six months ago with a plan to do that. And I still haven't. What have I done? Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of super dodgy websites that people link to on Facebook and, and, uh, wasted 10 hours of my life. Right. Know, who, who knows? Yeah. There's, I, I suspect this one old lady in particular uh, of being a bot. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, I would say nine out of ten stories she posts are fake news, and she posts a lot of stuff. So I'm like, is this just the world's most gullible old lady, or is this a, a bot, like non-threatening? Like, you will never know it's a bot if it's an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this is your grandmother. You can trust what she says. But, uh, yeah, like all fake news all the time. Uh, okay, on a sort of related article. So I think that's the that's the hopeful version. Like, people are going to move away from social media uh, to a large extent. Uh, maybe even uh, businesses that focus on reconnecting people in real life will do well. Like, I don't know. You could go play chess somewhere. No, or go, no, no, you know, no. People, no. Go play cards or something. You know, these, these things might might actually do well at some point. Um, I don't know about all the uh, all the fraternal organizations. I don't hope those don't make a comeback. But uh, you know, real human interaction just might the pendulum just might swing back the other way. And. Uh, this article, the tyranny of algorithms is part of our lives. Soon they could rate everything we do. So disclaimer, I don't necessarily, I, I don't agree with like the projected outcomes of the, the article, but it is interesting. Uh, this comes from John Harris of The Guardian again. Wow, we each picked a Guardian story. Jeez. For the past couple of years, the big story about the future of China has been the focus of, of both fascination and horror. It is all about what the authorities in Beijing call social credit and the kind of surveillance that is now within the government's grasp. The official rhetoric is poetic. According to the documents, what is being developed will allow the trustworthy to roam everywhere under heaven while making it hard for the discredited to take a single step. As China moves into the newly solidified President Xi Jinping era, the basic plan is intended to be in place by 2020. Some of it will apply to businesses and officials so as to address corruption and tackle such high-profile issues as poor food hygiene. But other elements will be focused on ordinary individuals so that transgressions such as dodging transport fares and not caring sufficiently for your parents will mean penalties, while living the life of a good citizen will bring benefits and opportunities. Online behavior will inevitably be a big part of what is monitored and algorithms will be key to everything that there remain doubts about whether something so ambitious will ever come to full fruition. One of the scheme's basic aims is to use a vast amount of data to create individual ratings, which will decide people's access or lack of it to everything from travel to jobs. The Chinese notion of credit, or Xingyang, has a cultural meaning that relates to moral ideas of honesty and trust. There are up to 30 local social credit pilots run by uh, local authorities in huge cities such as Shanghai and Hangzhou, and much smaller towns. Meanwhile, eight ostensibly private companies have been trialing a different set of rating systems, which seem to chime with the government's controlling objectives. The most high-profile system is Sesame Credit, created by Ant Financial, an offshoot of the Chinese online retail giant Alibaba. Superficially, it reflects the Western definition of credit and looks like a version of the credit scores used all over the world. Invented to belatedly allow Chinese consumers the pleasures of buying things on tick and manage, I guess that's credit, and manage the transition to an economy in which huge numbers of people pay via smartphones. But it runs much wider. Using a secret, secret algorithm, Sesame Credit constantly scores people from 350 to 950, and its ratings are based on factors including considerations of interpersonal relationships and consumer habits. 
Bluntly put, being friends with low-rated people is bad news. Buying video games, for example, gets you marked down. Participation is voluntary but easily secured thanks to an array of enticements. High scores unlock privileges such as being able to rent a car without a deposit and fast-tracked European visa applications. There are also more romantic benefits. The online dating service by he gives people with good scores prominence on its platforms. All right, so that's, <laughs> you know, of course, in China, the government wants to run everything. Um, but it is interesting, uh, you know, have you ever done like a, oh, I think I think it was related to Obamacare. Some of their like uh, identifying questions, and you're like, "How did they know that?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, I do that a lot. I mean, that when we actually run credit at my work, so right. every now and then you get a credit check back, and it asks, you know, qualifying questions, and it's like, "Which one of these three streets did you grow up on?" It's like, "What?" The? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, or, you know, it's got some, somewhere you worked for three days, but they filed the tax report on you, so that's, it's in the system. So, um, there's, a, I would say, I, I don't see, uh, two things. One, have, do you have a Netflix account yet? No. You got to come up with one, buddy. You got to figure it out. You got to get a smart TV or something. Yeah. No? Nah. I respect I respect your stance on it. However, you're missing some great contact content. One being Black Mirror. A lot of uh, our listeners, I'm sure, out there have have seen this show. But the best way I can describe it to you, it's a new version of Twilight Zone or Outer Limits, like mm. an updated version. And it's a each episode is like a dystopian future look. Uh, and one of the episodes actually ca- tackles this head on, and it just basically starts out as human rating system. Mm-hmm one through five what's your score and you're a 4.5 or whatever and it's this normal girl who has a bit of a you know interesting background uh, as a child but ends up going through a tough situation in her life which brings her 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 score down which she stresses her out so it brings it down again and again and again and it is horrifying yeah (laughs) all of a sudden she can't buy things People like scoff at her when they walk by because they, you know, they look up and they scan and they can see. Oh my gosh, you're down to like a one point two. <laughs> people won't even like people won't even talk to her. Family members shun her. Don't want to be known as someone who talks to one of the low, you know, rating. Right, that'll drag your rating down. Oh my goodness, it's a <laughs> it is it is a horrifying show. The first and only episode of Black Mirror my wife ever watched. She was like, "That was great. I'm never watching that again." It's <laughs> like, a little too too real but anyway sorry i kind of jumped and interrupted but this looks like a a chinese version of the same thing and maybe something in the future well but i think a similar concept that's not uh not centrally controlled could actually be a good thing and what i mean by that is um you know i mean basically eBay, all these online things were, were based on the fact that, yes, you know, you could advertise something online and then not deliver it as promised. But that as long as people are able to give feedback, uh, not many people are going to do that. And it's worked. You know, it's worked 
unbelievably well. So if you had a similar kind of decentralized rating system that was very segmented, so, um, you know, similar to reviews on restaurants or what have you, uh, I think there there's a lot of there's a lot of potential for the system to be game, gamed, but I think there is some positive applications of it where you don't necessarily need government regulation on everything when you have these the ability to uh, you know provide feedback. Um, it's uh, you know a health inspector is a lot less effective than. 10 people posting to Yelp like, hey, I got sick at this restaurant. Yeah, that's going to sh- shut it down a lot a lot faster. That's, so there's, there's, there's functions of government that are... Um, not effective? They never, they, well, they were never really necessary in the first place, but um, are more obviously totally unnecessary because of, you know, some of these... Just the ability to... Uh, you know, interact, provide ratings, and and if you if you're free to provide a service, and other people are free to, um, you know, purchase it and let other people know, yes, this was good, no, this wasn't. You know, it's it's a fair system, and that's that's why uh, restaurant prices, even though food prices have gotten crazy, you know, you don't see. Uh, restaurant prices go up at the same rate as, oh, let's say, medical costs. And it's because it's much more unregulated. It's regulated by a market economy as opposed to, uh, you know, corporate megalists and, and government. I, I agree. I agree. It's but unfortunately everything gets so centralized so fast. I mean, it's like you want the market to dictate the market, right? Like if you, you know mm-hmm. complain about the health inspector, like our our dealership, uh, my workplace, no one will eat at a local Red Robin that we have here, and the reason <laughs> being two people, two of our what do we have? Probably fifty, sixty employees ate at Red Robin and got like horrible food poisoning within a few days. So mm-hmm. like nobody's gonna eat there now. So I think that's a more effective, you know, way to, to you know, if, if then if then they posted that on the social media like Yelp, some sort of review site, it would be more effective than the health inspectors say. But do you want to rate people, Andrew? <laughs> no, I don't want to rate people, and I think it's important for. Uh, do you think Jesus should have been talking to the good Samaritan or to the Samaritan woman <laughs> that, by the well? I mean, she. Clearly, right. it was like a 1.2 out of 5. <laughs> yeah. The disciples came over and they were like, bro, do you even know her yeah. rating? Yeah, it's problematic and it's especially problematic, uh, you know, when, oh, let's just get rid of cash and everything's on a chip. And there's a central authority that decides whether you've been a good little citizen or not and gets to, to turn off or, or on your ability to transact with others. So I have a book idea yes. for somebody out there. If you want to write a sci-fi, you know, like a dystopian future about how the chips in our credit cards are actually like mind control devices or something like all of a sudden everybody had to have a chip in their debit or credit card just out of nowhere. It's like, Oh, it's safer. Shove your chip in here. And it's yeah, like, cause cause it really works well, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not like it tastes, takes three times as long and fails 10 times as often. 
<laughs> or beeps, you know, incessantly because people just leave their card in it. Beep, 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 beep. Ugh. I mean, identity th- is that identity theft down? Maybe the whole thing is just a operation to get people used to scanning chips. Just get them to yeah. scan the chip on their phone first. Oh, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd work so much better if that was just in your phone. Oh, it would work even so much better if you just had it like implanted in your wrist. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. It reminds me of that hilarious Jim Gaffigan line where he's talking about easy cheese. And he's like, was there somebody sitting around who was just like, you know, I, I want cheese, but I don't want to work hard. Like, if I just do this, and he like moves his index <laughs> finger, could cheese just come out? <laughs> That's all I want. Just What if I just do that, and then there's cheese? Easy cheese. That's all it is. And it even, it even it is. rhymes, yeah. <laughs> Solving problems that don't exist. <laughs> Solving problems that don't exist. That is, a, that is the theme of this show. Um, Facebook needs to be regulated because it, through the election. Solving a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. Let's um, just file, let's just pile false premises on top of one another, one after the other. I hate to go back because I beat beat that dead horse to death but isn't it not hilarious to hear the media talking about using the media to throw an election when it's like literally what we do all yeah. around the rest of the world well or um i don't see any media outlets being you know refusing to run campaign ads yeah. <laughs> this is their entire business model they're threatened by the idea that um, you know, online advertising might be more effective, which I don't think it is. I, I mean, it can't be less effective than the television. It's. I guess it, it could. I guess it could be. It it could be. I mean, yeah. When was the last time? Well, if you have the right browser, uh, you don't even really see banner ads very much. No, I don't see much. But the idea, the idea that you would buy something from that, I Just don't know. Small tech tip for everybody. I, I do use DuckDuckGo, which is I, I find to be really great uh, for search results, and it's private, supposedly. Uh, however, um, uh, Ghostry. I cannot recommend Ghostry enough. Buy your buy. Download Ghostry as a plugin for your browser, and it is a really in-depth ad blocker but it'll block all versions of javascript on a website it's kind of hilarious because sometimes you'll go to a website and it's completely unusable <laughs> like yeah like it's nothing but ads and it yeah. also keeps a little count of how many things are blocked each time you go to it and i think the highest i've gotten is 96 96 blockers wow. being blocked right now ghostry can't recommend that one enough seriously and you can say do you want people to be able to like count to see just a just a, a visitor counter. Do you want that to be able to, to log you? And you could say yes or no. That's the one I usually allow. But the rest of them, it's like ads or you know mm-hmm. c- comments. Or just turn it all off. Facebook Connect. No, off all of it. Can't recommend it enough. Ghostry, good plugin. They gave me so, uh, five dollars to tell everybody about it. <laughs> Plugs in with uh, any browser. Any browser, yeah. What do you use? Do you use Firefox? Uh, yeah, I use Firefox at home, and then at work we switch to um, uh, to Google. The Chrome. The, the Chrome. I actually, I use a kind of a version of Chrome. It's 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 actually Opera. 
Opera was built on Chrome's mm. software kernel, but it's not Chrome, so it's not owned by Google, supposedly. But anyway, with Ghostry and whatnot, I think you can save yourself. So, yeah. where to next? We have a million stories in here. Like, we need to get yeah, rid of some we, of these. I think some of these... Oh, no, we'll wrap it up pretty no, soon. I know we need to wrap it up soon. I'm just saying, we need to get through... I think some of these should have been in the last show. But what's... I mean, what's important? Oh, this is important. This is from Newsweek. Mattis admits there was no evidence Assad used poison gas on his people. So... Oh, that is important. Statement of Secretary of Defense James Mattis in the U.S. has no evidence that the Syrian government used the banned nerve agent sarin against its own people. The assertion flies in the face of the White House memorandum, which was rapidly produced and declassified to justify an American Tomahawk missile strike against the Shirat Air Base in Syria. Mattis offered no temporal qualifications, which means that both the 2017 event in Khan Shahuk in Khan Shikhaun and the 2013 tragedy in Gauta were uh, unsolved cases in the eyes of the Defense Department and Intelligence Agency. Mattis went on to acknowledge that the aid groups and others had provided evidence and reports, but stopped short of naming President Assad as the culprit. So those aid groups and others, does that include that guy in London? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it does. So anyway, we'll throw that one into... Oh, and it, it includes the uh, the White Helmets. Oh, the White Helmets, another podcast that was just which, uh, deconstructed by James. May Corbett. not easily be confused with the Blue Helmets, but probably should be. Yes. Uh, Kim.com, let me assure you the DNC hack wasn't even a hack. Kim.com of Mega Upload fame. While one could simply write off .com's claims as an attention-seeking stunt, he made several comments and a series of tweets hinting at the upcoming email releases prior to both WikiLeaks dumps as well as the publication of the hacked DNC emails to a website known as DCLeaks. Okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. All right, so uh, his tweet, let me assure you the DNC hack wasn't even a hack. It was an insider with a memory stick. I know this because I know who did it and why. Special Counsel Mueller is not interested in my evidence. My lawyers wrote to him twice. He never replied. Um, .com's assertion is backed up by an analysis done last year by a researcher who goes by the name Forensicator, which I think we talked about this on the show, maybe not, who determined that the DNC files were copied at 22.6 megabytes per second, uh, a speed virtually impossible to achieve from halfway around the world, much less over a, much less over a lo local network, yet a, um, a speed typical of file transfers to a memory stick. So 22.6 megabytes per second is equal to, uh, I think you have to multiply by 8 to get megabits per second. Um, so you usually measure an internet connection in megabits per second, usually measure file sides in, in megabytes, or you, you can. So you would have to have had, um, oh, let's see. So the rate, which 22.6, is the exact rate that you would get copying with the memory stick plugged into the server that you're, you're downloading from. Um, 
you would have had to have like a it it wouldn't even be enough to have let's say a gigabit internet service because you know if you're coming from Russia yes you might have let's just say for argument's sake you you're a Russian hacker with an amazing fiber optic internet connection it's not going over that you know gigabit speed the whole way over it shows um, what you can expect even just the opposite coast much less you know internationally you're looking at two megabytes per second um, so and anyway you, you would have needed like a it, it just wouldn't 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 be physically possible it's not possible it's, it's not possible. It was a so local. The, the, it was local, man. It was the guy. Yeah. What, what was their names? The the geniuses that that they are at the DNC. They had employed these two two guys. Oh, the Iwan brothers. Yes. No, that that was in Congress. It wasn't the DNC. But they those guys accessed uh, everyone's e, you know congressional email repeatedly. So they had all sorts of stuff that way too, but this was this was at the DNC, you know, coming off the DNC servers, and it was someone that worked there. You know, maybe it was Seth Rich, uh, you know, maybe it was someone else, and Seth Rich just got took the bullet for it. But dot uh, well, com alludes that it was Seth Rich, if he yeah. can be believed, and he's a, a dubious character in many ways, but. Uh... You know, seems to also be at least partially in the interest of a free and open internet, with where uh, we're not clamped down on by the the U.S. government and its various intelligence sources or services. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, let's just read an article directly from WikiLeaks that came out from the DNC. This date is dated June two thousand four. Or June 4th, 2009. And this is sent to... Do, 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 do. For, it was from Cheryl Mills mm. to um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton at the time, which was also a foreword that was sent to about 15 other people. Uh, and this subject line of this email is DynCorps. DynCorps. Dime Corp's post story, a second shoe to drop. Folks, as you may recall, on April 5th, or April 17th, post story on problems with Dime Corp's in Afghanistan, which focused on a suspected drug overdose death, breakdown in internal controls within the company, and actions the USG and the firm were taking. The other issue that surfaced at the time was a colossal error in judgment by one of the contractor's employees. In hiring an adolescent boy dancer for some sort of an event that, at least to most folks, looked very inappropriate. The Post is now <laughs> looking at the dancing boy, which was not included in the April 17th article, and we expect them to soon publish a story on it. The Post inquiry at this point features or focuses only on confirming whether or not there was an OIG investigation. We are, of course, referring to the Post... Uh, referring the post to the OIG on such a question. However, the premise for the question raises the issue again in some eye-popping rhetoric which could feature uh, in their follow-up story, so I wanted to make sure everyone has a heads up. We have already re uh, we have already relieved the folks involved with both incident 
and I'm meeting with this firm's CEO today to hear his report on his trip to Afghanistan and Iraq to address these as well as other issues on which we have demanded corrective actions. I'm attaching the original note to Deputy Secretary Liu at the time of the original inquiry, which lays out both issues. A copy of the memo, the INL section at Embassy Kabul provided to post management on the most recent post inquiry, as well as a post inquiry itself for context. David, incoming from post. According to my reporting, the week of April 13th, the DynCorp regional commander from Kondu's uh, Flint Chamber uh, allowed his men to hire a 15-year-old boy dancer to do tribal dances at a DynCorp party on the training site. Some 15 or so DynCorp employees at, at, in attendance uh, pulled out a single chair and had the boy do mock lap dances. This was all captured on video. The video shows, shows DynCorp employees putting dollar bills in the boy's waistband just as they would a stripper's garter. The reverie lasted for about 45 minutes. No sex took place. The video was leaked to Kabul INL program manager Marissa Martin. INL Washington ordered INL Kabul to place... What does INL stand for here? What do you think? I don't know. Uh, to replace the entire DynCorp chain of command. The video was leaked by Mike Gonzalez to another DynCorp employee who emailed the video to Martin. Flint Chambers retaliated against Mike by spitting in his face and pushing him to the ground in front of a DynCorp security building in Kabul. Chambers was then fired along with Dean, da Dean Dines, Stan Nee, and David Kelly. Can you confirm? Someone actually got fired? Every wow. Yeah, the, I guess the guy who threw the party... Or no, he was in charge of the... Uh, command when this uh, took place but i don't know anyway we've heard about dying corpse problem with dancing boys i just thought it was interesting to find this tucked away in uh hillary's email archive which yes. recently leaked out so this was a forward from all around dying corp that got sent to cheryl mills that got sent to hillary clinton so it's probably your... also eventually got sent to anthony weiner <laughs> <laughs> Valid point. It did not get sent to Anthony Weiner, but was probably sent to Uma Abedin. Yes. <laughs> Which we can uh, safely assume. Yeah. Uh, well, should we... Uh, we, uh, should, we should wrap it up, but we got to let people know there is a treasure trove of stories here in the show notes. I got We got to clear it out so that we can, uh, can move yeah, on. Yeah, clear, clear it out. So... Uh, Article from uh, the Babylon Bee. Uh-oh. You know, Here we go. We're going to end on a high note. The trusted news source of Christian satire. <laughs> um, it has a, you know, it, it's funny we didn't talk about it on this show, but uh, I believe the Oscars were last night, Tim. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, hosted by... I, I got no comeback, man. Hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Ah. Trump hater and quarter extraordinaire. A uh, man who got famous showing scantily clad women bouncing on trampolines lectures the nation on sexual propriety. Girls on trampolines. <laughs> and now, girls on trampolines. Los Angeles, California, comedian and political activist. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, who rose... To, yeah, he wasn't... He was not legitimately funny on, on that or any show, really. Who? Kimmel. Uh, yeah, I really do think Carole is funnier. I got to be in the, yeah. in the minority though, because he's not near as successful. Uh, well, he he made the mistake of not being the, the 
hardcore liberal you politically. Know, I'm just realizing, in a way, you remind me. Some of your delivery is, is very Adam Carolla-esque. <laughs> I'm starting to realize that your super dry sense of humor, where you can you can uh, you can deliver it without even cracking a smile, is very Carolla-esque. Who I love. So it's a, take that as a. I, I mean, I used to love him. Now I'm a little little done. He, but have you seen the new documentary he did? That was the one on Paul Newman. No, him and him and Prager went around to college campuses. No, I should check basically it out. showing like how you know political correctness on college campuses has has ruined the educational system. Is kind of the point. But wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So when he's not talking about the you know latest celebrity, you know body type and stuff like that he, he can be quite funny but as as he gets older he gets more and more he, he's 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 having the same problem that uh rock and rollers have where they come out and they have this amazing song that's really in touch with the people and the music is there and the lyrics mm-hmm. are there and the feeling is there where they're like you know they want to rebel against the system and it's all right there but then like the longer it goes the richer they are the more involved in the system they are the more uh jaded or, they become the let the 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 music becomes a little loses that little bit of edge i think that same thing's well, happening for adam carolla he's or they you he's know further they get and married further. and have kids and it's like okay well this is kind of life isn't so bad after all yeah yeah that's true <laughs> well carolla's further and further from his humble beginnings as a very yeah. poor kid in la who was working construction well into his mid thirties, uh, before, you know, trying. And so, you know, he has perspective and that's what mm-hmm. a lot of these comedians, you know, probably Jimmy Kimmel included lack is a real perspective of pulling yourself all the way up. So anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Total all tangent right. there. So Jimmy Kimmel, a comedian and act and political activist, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Did he say political activist? <laughs> yeah, the, the article. Oh, yeah. good night. Who, who rose to fame in the early 2000s with a show that aired footage of scantily clad women bouncing on trampolines, <laughs> spent his Sunday evening lecturing Americans on sex, sexual propriety while hosting the Oscars. Source, sources confirmed. Women have to deal with harassment all the time, everywhere they go, said the host whose hit Man Show famously featured half-dressed models referred to as Juggies. <laughs> Kimmel went, went on to chide Hollywood for being clueless about women while offering support for recent movements like Me Too, Time's Up, Never Again, uh, and Never Again, apparently forgetting about his skits such as Juggie Talent Show and Get to Know Your Juggies, which featured heavy-handed, vulgar objectification of women carried out in front of a Crazed, drunken, slobbering male audience. Yes. So, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, Good on the Babylon Bee for digging that one out. It's, it's the, yeah. uh, the internet. Another thing the internet is not is forgiving. <laughs> yes. The internet never forgets. It never forgets. <laughs> so, it's, you, you, you know, for every time we have Hillary Clinton saying that she's against, you know, whatever she's against we have her back in the 90s saying that she is for it so yeah well yeah good enough for me good enough what for... say you tim um, oh go what on. uh i do have did you happen to catch any of the nfl combine I did. over the last few days i did not i saw i think rich eisen's run 
Shaquem Griffin's run. I think that's about it. The Shaquem Griffin thing was... It's worth watching for anyone who did not see it. Check it out. A man who... uh, He was... Born as a twin. Well, uh, people probably know this story already. I don't think so. I don't even know it. Okay. So, um, he is twin brothers with um, Seattle Seahawks cornerback Shaquille Griffin. Um, And when, however, he was born with a malformed hand uh, because of something that happened in utero. I don't know if it was a cord got wrapped around his hand but his hand did not develop properly and his parents found him when he's four years old in the middle of the night grabbing a butcher knife in the kitchen with the plan of trying to cut off his own hand because it hurt so bad it was so painful so they um they ended up you know having doctors amputate it so he's been without a hand of any sort since he was four years old still managed to play football very well um, had a had a good like last season at Central Florida um, up until two years ago hadn't really played at all the and national the, champs Central Florida yeah the national champ Central Florida so Scott Frost um, you know coach from University of Oregon they got the head job down there um, he's basically uh, Shaquem Griffin said you know what do I have to do to get on the field and they're like, well, let's try you out a linebacker. So started playing linebacker. Ends up starting this year. Ends up being the conference player of the year. Still did not even get invited to the NFL Combine at first, but there was kind of like a, a public outcry about it. So they Richard Sherman the con- was not uninvolved, correct? <laughs> yeah. So they invite the the guy to the combine. First of all, uh, he's only been doing bench press for a couple years because they central florida you know got a press prosthetic form that he can use to grip onto the the bar so he can do the bench press so the the test is 225 pounds as many times as you can do it uh two <laughs> sorry <laughs> well two two would be pretty good for someone at your weight that would be that would be good uh but you know NFL linebackers, some of them can do can do a lot. Right. Um, one giant lineman from Oklahoma could only do fourteen, though. Right. So it's Orlando Brown. But so uh, people were saying, you know, even if he doesn't do well, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's kind of understandable. He's, he doesn't have a hand, and he he, he played really well. Well, the, he did twenty reps, yeah. which was a pretty good number for someone his his weight then he gets out to to run the 40 and he was expected to run about four four six which would be you know good speed for a linebacker he weighs 227 pounds and he ran a 438 which was the like the fastest time a linebacker had been clocked at you know since since 2006 since they've had like legitimate timing. Um, so anyway, it was a, a very kind of amazing thing to, to see. So he, 
I'm, it's a virtual certainty that he will get drafted. And then he's running drills, right? So all these linebackers. Yeah, this is the part I heard about and saw. Yeah, they, they, so they, they run around. You know, you run here, run there, and then they throw a ball to you. Like you get Catch a chance of an interception. These guys, I'm telling you, over 50% of them dropped it. This guy gets up there at one hand, three different drills where they threw him the ball, caught all three smoothly with one, you know, one hand and one stub and, and caught it clean. So it was, it was very cool to see. So hopefully the Seahawks will draft him, you know, hopefully they'll get him in the fourth or fifth round and be a, a steal. For the three of you that are back to listen to our show, I thank you. For the one of you that's new to the show, <laughs> We do like our sports. We're suckers for uh, for uh, overcoming adversity stories in sports, and uh, that that was a good good example of that. Um, Mr. Hoffman, do you have any words of wisdom for us to live by this upcoming week? Well, on a on a you know. Don't let people tell you what what is impossible for you to do. There you go. I like that one. Because becoming an NFL football player when you only have one hand is is not a super realistic goal, but it's going to happen for that guy. So, and a certain character who we both agree, his coach and he blew the Rose Bowl was also told his entire <laughs> life that he was entirely too short to play the position of quarterback. Yeah. And uh, he is on his way to probably being drafted in the first round of this upcoming draft. Oh, so he could He could, he slip could to go two. top 5. Yeah, I think he could yeah. go. I think he, I think he'll go top 5. But uh, just a further example, if somebody tells you you can't do something doesn't mean you actually can't. Hey, as Mr. Ho- uh, not as Mr. Hoffman, as Mr. Corbett and said. And people once told me you can never be the the co-host of a very small political conspiracy podcast that talks about a, Christian things. Be an internet service provider salesman, but I achieved it. I, so there, I, I also was told <laughs> when I was in the seventh grade and got sent to the vice principal's office for the twenty-first time. Tim. When you grow up, you will never sell cars from an English car manufacturer. <laughs> Do a podcast in a living room surrounded by stuffed animals. And do this on such a regular basis that you would call it a semi-weekly, semi-monthly, sometimes not even for a year <laughs> podcast. And I, I heard him and I said, you know what, Mr. Taylor? I'll prove you wrong. I'll prove you wrong. And I sit here today. And to tell you that I overcame. I with overcame. An, an incredibly successful uh, adult flag football league <laughs> career as well. <laughs> That's true. I did have an incredibly... Did you, are you talking about you or me? You. Oh, yeah. No, I'm Man. I'm slow as molasses. I, if, a, if a sport requires running, it's a severe disadvantage for me. <laughs> This is totally. This may be end of show material. At some, you know, this may be like after the after the end. I, this is the extra extra part. But I'll never forget. I went uh, to a buddy of mine's company party. I may have told this story on the show before, but whatever. It was a company, you know, gathering, and they all got together to play paintball. 
and uh, <laughs> they just they're like, let's play capture the flag. And after like the third time I captured the flag, <laughs> they were like, what game should we play next? And I was like, let's play capture the flag. And I'll never forget the guy turns to me and he goes, you're just saying that because you can run. <laughs> like like I had cheated the system somehow. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. What, you're not supposed to be able to run. Come on. What what? Look at this jerk over here running. <laughs> Just anyway. Uh, no, I'm. My but, uh, sports hey, are guy, the are the old man games. But Golf. Hey, don't, don't, I took up bowling this year. Don't let him fool you. The man got a, a got drafted for his golf skills. Oh, he didn't get drafted. Not, not drafted. But got got. Uh, uh, no, not scholarship either. That no. was a walk-on. Oh, you were a walk-on. Well, yeah, he played. He played uh, but, golf collegiately, so don't let him. As, it, you. He's, as he's I as a, I would always remind me, I would <laughs> remind uh, uh, my roommate who was six three, freakishly fast, and was a, a really good high school quarterback. I'd tell him, you, you know that I'm the I'm the only college athlete that that lives here. So that was. <laughs> Hey, you know, there's a lot of uh, merits to golf, and one of them is you can play it your whole life. Less and less people are playing it these days. Millennials don't see a value in it, but it's one of the only sports you can play your whole life. I guarantee you, even flag football has a time limit. So, uh, yeah. golf, you can play your whole life. Um, my, my new old man game is bowling, though. Oh, yeah, I joined joined a bowling league this winter. Two Jim Gaffigan references in one show. It's not really a sport if there's an ashtray built into the equipment. <laughs> I don't think there's an ashtray built. <laughs> Do you see that? I just bowled a strike. Now let me dig into these nachos. Yeah, which. I'm a little uncomfortable with food in a bowling alley because, I mean, (laughs) the oil and just the germs from all the the shared equipment. Yeah, it's it's not ideal. See that awesome shot? Now let me get some of these nachos. (laughs) Yeah. See that? Forget sports, man. Old band games. That's where it's at. You know what, though? You could take your daughters to go play, to go bowl. You can take your yep. daughters to golf. You can't take your daughters to flag football. I mean, I guess you can, but it, it has a time limit. Yeah. We're starting T-ball this year. Nice. Very exciting. We're uh, pulling wagons on our own. All right. <laughs> took, took my my uh, my, my uh, son around the block. I said, "Hey, let's go." You know, this time you're a big boy. I'm not going to put you in the uh, stroller. Right into the wagon you go. Pull him halfway around the block when he starts to lose his mind, like trying to, like mm. just literally trying to bail out of out of the wagon. Like, wow. I, I need out of here. So I let him out. He walks up, looks at me, grabs a hold of the handle, and starts pulling the wagon himself. Nice. That's all he did for the rest of the walk. He would not let be be told. So. <laughs> If you're friends oh, with friend. me on Facebook or Instagram, at least for the small remainder of time that I still have it, that video is there with him pulling the well, wagon. Give him, you know, give him another month or two, and then you can ride in the wagon. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome idea. Kid, kids as big as a three-year-old. We're going to have a really go. tall golfer on our hands. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, maybe he'll have, he'll have daddy's wheels and can play some... Some sports ball of some sort. Sports ball that doesn't involve 
the hand egg. Yeah. Or football. God, I hate people who say sports ball. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's specifically why I said it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you too, Andrew. What are, what are the big plans for the Hoffman home this week? Over here, we're going to uh, try to keep our hands out of the toilet and uh, see if we can all make it to work every day. Oh, well, our... So... Uh, try to keep the baby from getting behind the kitchen table, which mm. is usually where the computer is located. Because yesterday I looked up right as it only to see the computer flying off the table right down. <laughs> Fortunately, not onto her head. I think it grazed her, her leg. But yeah, she if she gets a hold of a cord, it's like all her force is pulling on that cord. So she's trying to unplug from society, I think. <laughs> That's the same. I got the same thing going on here. He loves unplugging everything. As a matter of fact, uh, part of the goals at our house this week will be keeping uh, young, young Kilkenny from going behind the sofa where the router and Wi-Fi router are located. And uh, he's already broken two of the antennas off the Wi-Fi. So maybe he's like you. Oh, he wow. thinks it's bad. He, you know, yeah. he's, like, he's like, hey, it's like, this is baloney, on. Dad. Let's get it out of here. Let's get this wireless out of here. Yeah. All right. Hopefully, we'll we'll see how much of this makes it into the show. Good to talk to you, and I guess we'll uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll shoot for that. Have a good one. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast.